We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. Welcome to the Veiled Podcast, in bed with Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone. New name, same people, more stuff. Oh, it's pretty exciting moving into the summer season with Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone and welcoming our new summer intern, Ethan. You want a hand? Yeah. Robin Mueller. <laughs> Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> oh, gosh. And Jason Hicks, all the way from the Middle East. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very well. Good to see you again. It, how, it's been a while since we spoke to you. It'll be two and a half, three months. I was going to say three months. Three months. So how yep. long have you got to go still in the Middle East? I uh, About six weeks. That's exciting, but it does mean you miss Christmas, doesn't it? That's right. Mm. I do. And Australia Day. Well, I don't think Australia Day is going to be – that's almost a non-event. I know Swan Hill have called – the breakfast off. Yeah. Not sure that it'll happen in Robinvale. So, you know, that's yeah. something maybe we can postpone that yeah. till later in the year when it's yeah. more appropriate weather and not yeah. 45 degrees to have a barbecue mm. in the middle of a park. But anyway, so this is going to be the last of our uh, who do you – what do you, who do you want to be when you grow up? No. <laughs> no, I was going to say, do you want to be Uncle Chalutz? No, that's okay. <laughs> He's all right, but – He's all right, yeah. But you're better. Top bloke, yeah. Like your skills, I've been trying to change. And this maybe this gets to the you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you can because I've taught him a few. But your adaptability and being able to, and this is why I love training young people in this media space. So good, so easy. Here, do this, do that. Yep, no problem. Charlie, speak into the microphone. Charlie, speak into. It's been eighteen months now. Charlie, speak into the microphone. At least you did get us these nice stands, so that's positive. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it is great. But this will be the last of our What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up uh, podcast, unless we can get our friend and internationally recognised award-winning journalist to come on, and I hope we can, but that won't be for a little while now. It did come out. So Ethan and I have been working together, Jason, doing some videos for Robinvale College because of the COVID thing. People haven't been able to come in and do tours of the school and there's transition and valedictory dinners and everything that's been put off. So we've been doing videos. Um, And whilst we were talking to the Year 12 class of 2020, it's become apparent that there's a really big interest in the Australian Defence Force as a career path. And good. You told me, Ethan, at one point you were considering it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. laziness got the better of you. Please oh, discuss. Laziness and just lack of time. No, laziness. <laughs> yeah. Laziness. Yeah. So what was it that – how much paperwork is involved now? And when I say paperwork, I mean computer screen work. How much is involved? Yeah, on the internet. Yeah. Um. Well, you needed to know a lot about yourself that you wouldn't have in front of you. You had to ask teachers for your results from the past two or three years. But it's about yourself. Wouldn't you know that anyway? No, we didn't. We don't get letter grades unless you ask for them. Oh, true. Mm. Oh. 
So we might come back 100% to that. Hundred percent my fault. No, okay, that's very interesting. I had no idea that that's what happened. Jace, you went right through school in Robin Vale, didn't you? That's right. Yep, yeah. did uh, all the way to Year Twelve, Robin Vale. Yes. What was the name of the school when you finished Year Twelve? Because there's been a few. Okay, so it was Robin Vale Secondary College yeah. at that stage. Okay, because there's been the consolidated. There's been. It was the high school at one point as well, wasn't it? Or was it just secondary college? P12. Uh, there was the, so we had the Robinvale High School to start with. Yeah, that's right. And then we changed two aisles there to the Robinvale Secondary College. Mm-hmm. In, I don't know what year that was, maybe year 10. Yeah, okay. And then yeah. then after when, that it was when the vice When the VCE came in as opposed oh, to the old HSC. Yeah. Oh, gee whiz. Were you at school when it was still HSC? So we transitioned. My year, a uh, couple of years around me, we transitioned from a HSC to a, a VCE uh, curriculum. Yes. So, so I did a HSC subjects in year 12 and I did VCE subjects in year 12. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. So you were yeah. like the uh, – Well, the guinea pigs. I, I was going <laughs> to give it a more – I was going to give it a more attractive name like the uh, – the storm, not stormtroopers but – because I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we'll have that discussion later too. But um, you were like the the frontier men clearing the path from v, uh, HSC to VCA. What year was that? It was 1990. No, 80. Yeah, 1990. 1990 was, I did year 12. Wow. So are there yeah. any names still locally that you know of that are still in Robinvale that you went to school with? Um, Robinvale. Uh, yeah, there's a few. Uh, Dean Dean Mitchell, I think, still in Robinvale. Oh yeah. Um, he makes a great coffee sh- at the Robinvale Bridge Hotel and the Jack Bar and Bistro. Yeah, I'm not show. sure if uh, Brad Smith's still around. Um, you got uh, Steve Grotto up there in Boundary Bend. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think there's a few still getting around down there. Yeah, okay. So what was your pathway into the Defence Force? But first, did you always know or was it something that just it seemed like a good idea at the time or did you always know that you wanted to go to the Navy? I I always, as long as I remember, I always wanted to go to the Navy. So it was, yeah, right, fairly young in life, yes. Yeah, right. Always had an interest in joining Navy. Yes. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, so I mate, guess if you do want to do it, if you know, I suppose while you're at school that you want to do it, that's yeah. that's a pretty good indicator. So what was yeah. the application process like? So the application process uh, involved talking on the phone, getting the phone and ringing up fence forces and starting starting the process, finding out what, what I could do. I also engaged at the time with uh, the careers advisor at school. Um, they had a bit of information, a lot of information on the Defence Forces and also the Defence Force at that stage, so I assume they still do, uh, had school visits to Robinvale um, probably once, twice a year. Um, I even remember one stage they had a helicopter and landed on the oval at school and no, they all piled out and came into the school and had a chat to us and, and they got back on the helicopter and off they went. That's pretty cool. They don't do that anymore, do they? No, I haven't seen that. Do they come, Do they still visit the school? Um, not while I've been. Yeah, actually they have. Not this year, obviously. Yeah. 
but like in previous years. It, yeah. yeah. They used to do that when I was at school as well, but it was a really big deal and you didn't have a choice. Everyone went to it. Yes. Yeah. Was that we had everyone had to attend that one as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine if they're bringing a – was it a Black Hawk that they landed on the Oval? No. That's mm. one of their training training helicopters. Oh, yeah, well, small thing. Yeah. That's less fun but still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they, they came – they came from Bendigo. Uh, they used to have a recruiting office in Bendigo, which is long closed now. Wow. Um, yeah. So mm. then if you had to pick up the phone because it was before the internet, Ethan. That's right. It was in a world before the internet. Mm. So what was the process from there, from picking up the phone and actually talking to someone? Um, I had a, uh, if I remember rightly, I then did a interview with one of the careers, the defence careers guys, uh, the Navy guy at the time, um, who did I do that? I did that in Robin Mile, actually. Oh, and they used to, sorry, and they also used to come, I remember now, they used to come to uh, a centre in town. The Resource Centre? Uh, yeah, it wasn't called that then, but that's it. I was going to say it wouldn't have been yeah. but, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yep. it wasn't the Resource, but they used to come there too. Um, I think they came there once a month. Um, wow. Yeah. Once a month, I think, or once every two months, they come to the resource centre. Um, yeah. Um, so I went in there, had an interview, um, filled some paperwork in. Um, yeah. Wow. And that was the process. So- and provided school results and, uh, you know, made sure I had the last school results for the last few years and whatnot. So. So was there, was there and is there now, to the best of your knowledge, is there a minimum that you needed to get as far as school marks go oh, yes. to get so, in? Yes. So I joined up under is it under engineering. Um, so I need to have minimum I had to have then it was year ten. Um, I'm not sure now. I think I think that still might be okay. I'm not mm. sure. They don't quote me. Um, but yeah, year ten was all I needed. Year ten maths and uh, English. Was, was the big ones. Uh, didn't have to be great in them, but as long as you uh, you could do some maths and English, yeah. <laughs> wow, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, at the time. Wow. So, I, is it, do you know if you kind of half started the application process, mm-hmm. what what is it, what's the minimum requirement now? Um, year 10. Year 10, it is still year 12. Wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So where did you go off? Because to me and to, I suppose, mere mortals that are not in the Defence Force but watch a lot of movies about the Army and the Navy and the US Marines and my vision of how this thing works, and I suppose for a lot of young people who might – who might have these grand visions of what it's like. You go off to your basic training and you get screamed at by a drill sergeant and you grit your teeth and get through it and then you go off and become maverick and fly jets and play volleyball <laughs> with lots of men that look like <laughs> Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, that's the kind that that's what I perceive as you go off to basic training, you do six weeks of that and you're done, you're in, and then you go off to war pretty much. That's obviously not the case. Can you put me on the right track? Yes, definitely. Yeah, so uh, so the whole recruiting process, um, fill the forms in, and you also had to go do medicals and whatnot and do some more interviews down in, in Melbourne at that stage. You still would go to Melbourne for interviews and whatnot. And if, if you're successful, yes, off you go to uh, your recruit training. 
uh, all the services are very similar in that. And I think it's, uh, I did three months. I think it's possibly 10 weeks now. Um, and then after you do your basic recruit training, you're off to your different uh, whatever trade or whatever uh, part of the Defence Force that you've decided to or you've been accepted for. Um, you go off and do your then specific training under your, under your category, trade, corps, or whatever the other services call it. Then, um, And that can vary how long you do that for. Um, for me, I went down to Cerberus. I was there for... I was there for just over 12 months, but if you wanted to do what I do now, you're there a bit longer now. Um, but you uh, you get uh, your training that gives you uh, your full, I think it's your Cert 3 in uh, uh, electrical engineering, I think it's called now. Um, and then off you go to the fleet. You uh, get posted to wherever you do for a Navy. For me, it would have, could have been anywhere from Western Australia, Cairns, Darwin uh, or Sydney, really, and I got posted to Sydney. And you join your first, uh, either your first ship or your um, your first uh, base. So, yeah, that's, that was the start of the journey. Um, and then uh, I was 12 months out of training before I got on my first ship and I joined the uh, mighty warship HMAS Hobart, um, a destroyer at the time. So I spent a good 14 months on that and uh, that was it. My career was on. It was Great time. Met what, some great people and uh, got to go to Hawaii and do a lot of stuff, yeah. Let's talk about that because, again, when you say you got to go on the ship and you got to go on HMAS Hobart, which is a destroyer, you said. Yes. Are you – and I don't know how much you can talk about and where we both understand the nature of uh, things that you can't talk about, so that's sensitive information, that's fine. Yeah. But once you're on a ship like that, are you out in the middle of the ocean – firing these destroyer guns and what what is the go? Like because, again, to me, mortals, like I, I th- I'm an overthinker, so I think about, for example. What does that actually look like? Well, yeah, yeah, what does it look like out on how do you get from point A, from Sydney to Hawaii and what happens in the middle? Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, okay, so uh, for that, that's a long time ago too. Um. So for that, yeah, so we'd sail from Sydney. It's it's probably more the lead up to it, but um, it took us it took us I think yeah, two maybe three weeks to get there, but um, we went by Fiji. So for that, we just sailed straight to Fiji, and, and you do um, in between that you do exercises, you train on board, you you go through the drills. Yeah. Not daily, but uh, fairly often. Um, so yeah, you go for the drills or firing the guns. Um, you fire, you do fire them, um, and um, or the missile systems. You go for the drills for that. You don't fire them off that often because no. there's an expense. There's quite a lot of expense in firing one of those. So we don't. We still fire them, but not. You just can't go home and just do it. Whatever. Yeah, be a fair bit of paperwork yeah. involved too in firing a missile. I'd imagine. Well, there was, there is. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot behind that. So you, you've got to. Uh, that's not my role, but someone else has to do this, and mm. um, they've got to make sure that the airspace is clear. That there's a whole bunch of requirements um, to make sure that everyone knows, including the general public and airlines, and that 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 you're doing this in this area. So basically, stay clear yeah. on these days. So you've got to give people a lot of notice and whatnot. So there's no mishaps and things. So yeah. Yeah, so we do all that, and then um, then you got your day to day routine. So um, 
you go in, yeah, you know, ship going, you don't go in, you're always in when you're on a ship. But um, you, you have your down times on board um, and when you and then you have your work time. So you head into wherever your workspace is on the ship and you do your daily jobs. Uh, it, uh, there's paperwork, there's always paperwork. There's, uh, there's maintenance to be done, there's cleaning, there's, there's filing, there's uh, depending on what role you've got. The chefs have always got to be cooking, the engineers have always got to make sure that the uh, – that the engines are ticking over nicely and, you know, it's just like a car or a truck, you know, they, they've still got to change the oil and all that, that good stuff, and air filters and, you know, monitoring the plant to make sure that things aren't, everything's working correctly, the AC units on board are running properly, the, the generators, um, all, all the, then, you, then the, the combat side of it, you're always making sure your systems are working fine, all your, your, your radars, your communications equipment are all working um, and we're always training. It's always a training exercise. It's not exercise, but we're always training. Yeah, right. That, that's our day today. Um, and then there's the downtimes, you know, where we have uh, do play board games, cards, uh, get onto your computers and play games for the younger generation. There's uh, uh, We do have internet connection starting to come into the ships. It's to the outside world your general connection like we're doing now, but it's, uh, you probably couldn't do a video conference. It's not that great connection, but you can still uh, message people at home. Um, yeah, it's yeah, that's probably that. And so for Hawaii, going to Hawaii, we do a stop. Well, I'm not sure they still do it, but we do a stop. We did a stop in Fiji for a couple of days, um, got to engage the local Fijian community, um, played uh played some sports. I think that rugby union was one of them. We played against the Fijian teams. Um, so we do those sort of engagements. Um, and then from there we sail Hawaii and do the exercise. So every two years we have the uh, River Pacific exercise with, uh, it's, I think it's the biggest naval exercise um, with all the uh, the Western world um, and possibly even in the world, I'm not sure, but um we exercise with countries all over the world off Hawaii every two years. So that's 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 we're playing war games there. It's yeah, we're treating it as real and um yeah, so we have two teams and off we go. There's a whole bunch of act, attributes to that from air, sea and land. So Wow. Yeah. I would never have thought that. That sounds like a big meeting of the Hunger Games. Um, it's a big meeting. Hunger Games is probably not quite right, but um, I'll survive. I can see how you could think. Yeah. I can see how you could think that, Jake. Oh well, it's just you know when you say we're playing war games, that's my mind goes straight to Hunger Games. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you talk about being on the ship and everything that's involved. This is why there's so many job opportunities within the defence force because you oh. need specific people to do each specific job mm. to keep that ship afloat that's right and and there's also there's also the teams back in australia to make sure the ships are achieving what it needs to achieve mission wise uh, and also just to be out there and be safe um there's a whole team there's whole parts of defense supporting that one unit being deployed um let alone uh, 30 units or, or whatever being deployed mm. um yeah yeah lots Wow, it's just to me, it's fascinating. It's it's just mind-boggling to think of what goes on on the ship between point A and point B. When you talk about the missions that go on, 
And again, okay, we can't talk about things, but these missions that go on, are there a lot of naval ships that are deployed that are doing, that have actual missions? What might they be? And are they things that the public are generally aware of? Um, probably maybe not the public's generally aware of. Not not that, that generally there's anything... Um, to be quiet about it, it's it's, it's probably just that the public just generally is not aware of. I mean, we've got we've got all our patrol vessels up north in Cairns and Darwin, um, working alongside the uh, Australian Border Force, mm. um, patrolling our northern reaches, yep. um, you know, up around Christmas Island, out and out west in the Indian Ocean, um, up up into the Pacific Ocean, um, out, out to the uh, out to the east, yeah. All up through the Southwest Pacific, we've got we've got engagements there all the time. Um, ships going out there, especially our patrol vessels. They are, they are they are probably they're busy. They're always busy. Those guys up north, all those those teams um, doing an awesome job there as well. Um, they're, they're probably they're probably the busiest, I'd say, for the navy. Yeah, right. Um, and then, then we've got our submariners. Um, Doing their thing under the water, um, doing whatever they do under the water. <laughs> they sail and do their stuff. <laughs> That's probably one side of the navy we don't uh, we don't hear much about. And, yeah, yeah, for good reasons. Um, and, and then we've got also for the navy again, we've got our fleet air arm. So we've got all our helicopters, and so they're all based in uh, Nara, but you know they also have uh, a few of them over in the west, Western Australia. Yeah, right. Um, so they're all doing their thing. Um, on ships and off ships, so, yeah. Wow. So after your first um, deployment out to Hawaii, how old were you at this yeah. stage? I would be 19. I was 22. I turned 22. Yes, I was 22 when I was eight. Yeah, right. So yeah. that but your first um, – Voyage on one of the naval ships was that all of your Christmases come at once? Oh yeah, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I joined Navy for. It was great. It was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> and um, to be at that time to be uh, on one of the biggest ships in the Navy, uh, crew wise, crew wise, yeah. um, it was we had like we had three hundred and thirty, three hundred thirty, three hundred forty people on this one ship. Um, to keep it going. Uh, wow. We, we don't uh, – that, that ship's long gone now and uh, we've got a replacement Hobart and her crew, in comparison, it's a bigger ship again. Yeah, our crew on there is probably nearly halved, I think. Really? It's a bigger yeah. ship with half the crew? Yeah. Why is that? Probably not half, but it's close to half, I think, or maybe two-thirds of size. Um, just – which is more efficient at doing things. Uh, the the old one also uh, was a steam was a steam driven ship, so it was steam. They, they used steam to actually drive the the shafts to push it through the water. Really? Um, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, was this in nineteen fourteen? Sorry. Was this in nineteen fourteen? Steam to no, me. No. It, but do you know what I mean? Like back at, yeah. when you're talking to, especially your generation, if you talk about yeah. steam-powered engines. Mm. You think back. You think Pioneer Settlement that. days, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I do. Sorry. It's a bit bizarre, yeah. <laughs> no, do. that's all right. Yeah. So it surprises me that your HMA, HMAS Hobart was steam-driven. That's fascinating. Yeah. So you yeah. are yeah. – does that make you qualified in steam engines? Because you're – you you said you're an engineer, no? Electrical. Ah. Electronics. Electronics, sorry, engineering. Ah. Yes. So, no, I don't. Yeah, not not mechanical engineering. Ah, right. Or marine, or marine engineering, as they call it, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. So what does that mean? When you talk about, because we always see jobs advertised for engineers in the Defence Force, and obviously yes. there is so many subsections to what an engineer does. I mean, if you talk to a blocky about getting an engineer, they're talking about someone building them a trailer or a rack or yeah. uh, a tray for their ute or, you know, someone that does welding and metal fabrication. If you're talking about a marine engineer in electrical engineering, what does that mean? So our marine engineering, they they would be they'd be like your diesel mechanics. Oh. Put that put in that context, I suppose. We don't have steam anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> we've got, we got gas. We've got gas and we've got uh we've got diesel. So uh so yeah, so they'd be they could be a uh, like I said, a diesel mechanic. In in layman's terms, um, they could be a gas turbine. Uh, what's the right term for that is be a gas turbine uh, maintainer. Mm. Um, so they work on gas turbines, exactly like uh, an aircraft uh, jet engine. So um, uh, we use them on the ships as for power generation and for uh, propulsion generation. Uh, from an ME to a marine engineer, also we look after our air conditioning plants, uh, another subset of the marine engineering. They do look after our uh, power generation for the ship to generate the power. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at the, the higher levels, um, it, they've got so many different fields. They also um, have a subset where they do welding, uh, like an engineer can come and fix your blockage trailer or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so that, they'd have that. Um, then you've... And there's a lot of other smaller subsets in there. And you, for me, uh, the, our uh, our engineering side of it all, uh, we do the uh, we do the maintenance on all the, uh, the systems on board. So you're looking at your communications equipment is one of our subsets, the comms. Uh, so they'll be looking after satellite stuff, uh, your radios, your um, uh, data transfer stuff. Uh, um, yes, they allow. Then you've then you've got your weapons. So again, another subset would be weapons. So they'd be maintaining. They'd be maintaining. They're a bit more of a, a, a electronics, but yeah. also back to the old traditional clunky stuff. Looking after the, the physical side of things like guns, maintenance on guns and whatnot. So there's a mechanical aspect to that, or there's a hydraulic, or there's a pneumatic side to that. So they'll, they'll look after all that. And the missile systems on board as well, so I'll be looking after that. Then there's the then there's the systems maintenance side of it, so which is sort of in my field. It's my field is um, they'll be looking after the combat systems on board. So when you on the movies, you see those big dark rooms where all those people are sitting around in front of consoles and that. Yeah, one of our roles would be to make sure those consoles are still working, and if they're not working, trying to work out what's wrong and then fix it. Uh, also radars. 
Do they really call those rooms the war rooms? Americans might. We don't. <laughs> no, they're, 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 they're operations rooms. Right. Do they have a nickname? Yes. The ops room. Yeah. Okay. Nothing's um, like that. Sometimes you might hear CIC. Um, it's more American term. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, we 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 just that's the operations room. That's the that's sort of the nerve center of the ship. When you're when you're in the thick of a fight and whatnot, so that's everything's coming out of those operations rooms. That's where the orders, the direction, the guidance. they they they're our eyes and ears in there. So that's where old mate stands with a cigar behind you yelling at him. <laughs> I'm not going to make any if more. You're, if, if you're in the movies, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, but I'm not going to make any day, more Top Gun references. <laughs> if, if, if you get rid of the cigar bit, it's the same. It really is. Is it? You've got the, you've got the, yeah, the officer in charge. She should be the CO, commanding yep. officer. He'd be standing there in the background uh, giving directions. Yeah. Wow. It'll flow out from that. He's he's the one making the, the decisions for the ship. He's the one receiving all the information, making his decisions on the advice he's receiving from all the other team members and uh, making his decision what we're going to do as a ship, which direction we're going to do, what action we are going to do. Are we going to engage that target? Are we going to leave that target alone? Do we need to defend ourselves? All that that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, so that does land... That lands with the commanding officer on the ship. It's not coming from directives above him. Is that how the chain of command yeah. works? He has to make those decisions he, there and then. He, he has his over. He has his his he has his directions given to him. What what the outcome? What the uh, what the objective of the exercise operation? Whatever it is. Yep. So he has his rules of engagement to follow. Um, and from that, though, he makes all, all the decisions from that within those those parameters. So he'll make the decisions of what we do, how we react to certain threats, I guess, is probably a good description. So whatever the threat to us is or, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll make decisions on how we uh, how we respond, yeah. So that commanding officer needs nerves of steel to make good decisions, good informed decisions Quickly, I'm imagining, sometimes pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. So, and that also determines how we configure our uh, ship systems as well. Depending on what the, the task is in hand, depends on how we configure the systems on the ship and how, uh, how, how well they respond to incidents. So we can tweak all that and change the parameters on the systems as well, how they might automatically respond to a to – a, an action, I guess, against us or, yeah, against us is not the one. Do you call them bogeys? They have bogeys. <laughs> Just one. Sure, Shethan. They do have bogeys. They do have bogeys. Yeah, right. Okay. Um. Well, you just, you know, when you say there's a there's an incoming bogey and things like this, I'm just trying to dissect Hollywood back yeah. to reality because yeah. – you know, when you're thinking about when you're young and you're thinking about what career path you might take, you know, you might want to go and be an actor and think that it's all glitz and glamour, but, mate, it is living in your car, eating whatever you can get your hands on mm. initially. Yeah. Same sort of thing I'd imagine, and like I said, I've never been to the Defence Force. That's why we're talking to Jason yeah. to try and dissect yep. all of that all of that stuff um, that, you know, stepping foot onto your first ship for your first voyage is – 
a dream come true, things like that that can happen at 22. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I um, get what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so we just, you know, making clear definitions between Hollywood and reality. But let's let's go back to the the ops room, nearly called it the yeah. war room. So when you're configuring systems to combat a threat, do you learn how to configure these systems because of mistakes that have been made during confrontation? No, no, not really. Um, you, 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 you learn from your training mm-hmm. um, and you learn from experience from your, from your training, really. So when you're doing all your exercises and whatnot, you... And you try and get the best out of the systems that you can. Mm. So we're always we're always learning. Um, um, yeah. So most, I mean, yeah, you, you always learn from your mistakes. That's yeah. that's it. But you don't want. That's not a great way for the Navy to, or for the no. to be learning from their mistakes. Well, no. But, but what I mean, mistakes, unfortunately, they do happen, and you do learn from them. But yeah. Generally, to tweak the systems and that, yeah, it's just we just from our training, really, our exercises we do, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose that's what I was getting at. Those exercises that you do, you're not out there just playing cowboys and, you know, you're not out there just playing no. around. It's for that learning experience and to be able yeah. to tweak those systems and make them better. Yeah. And we, we do trials all the time. We do test and trials. Um, so if, if we do a maintenance, yeah, so the ships, you know, they they've got to have their maintenance. You, you know, every every whatever the time period is, you, you've got to come come into dock, and yeah, every mm. whatever it is, every couple of years that they they get them out of the water and do deep deep maintenance, repaint the hull, all that, scrape the barnacles off, all that, all that exciting <laughs> exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, and in the meantime, all the systems on board, they're being they're getting deep maintenance done to them. You know, maybe upgrades, software updates. Uh, yeah, all that. So when we come out of that, we've always got to uh, realign everything, reset everything. So uh, you know, there we go. I, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't bore you with that because uh, it does get quite dull sometimes. Some of the things we just got to do, it's just monotonous. But, oh, um, yeah, it's, but not, it's not all. It's not all exciting. But but that's what I mean. I don't think like it might be dull to you because you've been doing it for so long. But to people like to. Ethan's peers, in particular, that are thinking about a career in yep. the in the defence force, yeah. yeah, they appreciate yeah. the the nuts and bolts of this kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. with the with the systems and your comms on board, is yeah. each system on each ship different? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. So, so um, if you're if you're a, say uh, say say you're a chef, you're a chef. Doesn't change much. You might have slightly different equipment, but uh, you can go from ship to ship, and you can take that tray with you, and you can just pick up where it is and start start putting out wonderful masterpieces for the crew to, to eat. You know. Yeah. Um, it's the same with your same with your logistics uh, personnel on board. You know, ordering ordering stuff in stores and food, and make sure the ship gets the mail and all that. You know that um, that doesn't change from ship to ship, but uh, for for engineering and for some of the operators, the people who actually operate this equipment, um, yeah, they're specific to a certain equipment type. So you can go, you, you're then limited, or your 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 
you're stuck. Stuck's probably not the right word. You, you're, that ship's your, that ship type is your ship. That's yeah. it. You're trained for that ship type. So you can't just easily jump from one ship type to another. So I could be on destroyers and that means I'm a, I serve on destroyers because I'm trained for those specific systems. Um, the frigates, they have different systems, different systems that do the same thing, but mm. from a different company, say. So um, they're trained quite highly in those specific bits of gear. So, uh, yeah, you can't just jump from jump to ship to ship if you want to. Like, I can't go on a submarine and start just maintaining their equipment because they've got, even though they have a combat system like every other ship does, they've got a different brand and a different type. So, Mm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yes, you, restricted. So in that way too, that can restrict where you go to, especially early in your career. That can restrict where you uh, are based, are based out. So I've spent most of my career in Sydney because of the ships that I've worked on. Um, whereas um, the guys up in Darwin and Cairns on patrol boats, they've generally got a career up in Darwin and Cairns for. I wouldn't say forever, but for quite a long period of time. Mm. Um, then the guys in the West, there's a bit of sharing there because they have the same, some of the ships are the same in, as in Sydney. So in, in Stirling over there near Perth. Um, so there's a bit of to and fro in there with movements across the country, but um, you generally, you generally stay in your, your areas mostly. Um, yeah, but if you're in some of the other trades with your Navy and um, I know the Army move around a lot. I know the Air Force, they move around quite a bit too. Um, you, you, could, you could go anywhere around Australia. Yeah. Wow. We're and in some of those jobs. Yeah, and obviously anywhere around the world. How much of the planet have you actually seen? I probably haven't seen as much as others because um, I spent, once I got off Hobart, I then I decided I'd, I made the decision to go to Mine Warfare, so um, which is based out of Sydney, small ships. So we didn't go overseas too much. And if we did, we went up to uh, Singapore um, occasionally and um, out into the southwest Pacific. So, But my other oppos who stayed on, on destroyers and that, if, um, so talking about me, though, I've been to the southwest Pacific, so Hawaii, mm. um, was my first trip, Fiji, Hawaii, and then on the way back we pulled into uh, New Mia, uh, New Caledonia, visited there and then was home. Um, um, and then I've been, I've been around Australia. I've been all over Australia with the my hunters. Yep. Um, we could pull into small pullets and shallow places. It's fantastic. So I've seen a lot of Australia. So when you talk about um, mine warfare, is that literally looking for underwater mines? Yes, wow. that, that's that's it. Yeah. So you, hang on a minute. So that means if you're doing that and you're not leaving Australia very much, and again, this is where my overthinking brain goes. That's all right. Are there underwater mines around Australia, or no? Because yeah. you've got rid of them all. I like to think that. <laughs> yeah, we got rid of them all. Um, um, no, so my mine warfare career, which is finished now, I've moved on from that, but um, I spent nearly 17 years with the mine warfare uh, side of things. Um, well, we only ever trained. We only practised. 
for nearly the whole time, oh, I never did it for real. Um, um, I, I know uh, we have had opportunities to do it for real, but that's mostly mostly overseas. Yeah, um, they've done that. So there's still a lot of mines in the water from World War Two, um, especially in the Southwest Pacific. Yes, um, we've done a lot. Of, we've done a bit of that. Uh, we don't do it too often, though, and for real. Um, there's not that many that I know of anyway mm. um, in our region. Um, but uh, we, we practice for that all the time. So, yeah, from my warfare perspective, um, I have have been to Singapore. I've been to Vietnam and we, we sailed all the way to Vietnam on our small little mine hunter. Um, been Tonga, uh, Fiji, I've said Fiji, um, Vanuatu, quite a few times to Vanuatu, um, Samoa. Uh, uh, New Zealand, been New mm. Zealand a couple of times. Actually, no, I've only been New Zealand once. Oh. Um, so a few, quite Tasmania, a bit of a Tasmania quite a few times, been yeah. overseas there a few times. <laughs> Did you have a question, Ethan? Uh, Jason kind of answered it. I was going to ask, are they like new or – Old, yeah, yeah, okay. Don't Old mind. No, 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 no such thing as a silly no. question. No, it's not. So, um, the, the, when we train, we actually train on modern mines like, uh, um, unarmed, unarmed, yeah, unarmed, no explosives on them, but we actually train on modern mines. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we lay our own minefield, um, and we train on Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then, uh, then we go at the end of it, we recover the mines, and then, yeah. Carry on a merry way until we want to have another practice. Yeah. See that to yeah. me. If you were thinking about because the having sons or having kids and thinking about a career in the defence force or the police force or even the ambos, you just think, oh, that's fraught with danger, and I don't want you going off to war, and it's so dangerous. But things like that, when you talk about we're going out into the middle of the ocean, laying our own minefield, and we're only we're only doing drills. Because Australia is a pretty passive country, really, as far as yeah, as far as warfare go. We, yeah, yeah, we're everybody's ally. Yeah. Um, that sounds like super fun. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. fantastic. I mean, it's it's well, for me it was anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> others might not, but I I found it fantastic. It's great. Um, yeah. Okay. It wasn't an easy easy time. Um, it's just because the routines we run on board the ship at the time, we we're actually doing mine hunting as such. Mm. Uh, so we do it around the clock. 24 hours a day over seven days or however long we're going to do it. So it's uh, continuous. Wow. Uh, so that's uh, that's a lot of disturbed sleep patterns and whatnot, but that's, that's what it is. That's what we do. And uh, I wouldn't change that for the world. Mm. Uh, um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. It's great. But, yeah, even for that, it's uh, we that's on a small scale we practice that but we also do mine hunting in, in a in a full-on exercise so they'll, they'll program a mine hunting phase in there so say we want to say we want to land our troops we want to put them ashore our army guy our army brethren we want to get them off the the ship that we've used to get them to where if we're getting them we want to put them on that beach over there well there's a whole bunch of stuff's got to happen before that even that the troops get off the ship so and one of them could be we have to make sure that there's no mines between the ship and the shore, so make sure it's safe for them to go from, from a sea perspective. Wow. There so is... they can go ashore and go and run off in the bush and do whatever they do in the bush. Yeah. Set up camp and 
sin convoy. I don't know. Whatever that arm do. Is there? I know. They do. They do a great job. <laughs> that leads me to my next question: Is this? Is there a bit of bickering between the three arms, the Army, Navy, and Air Force? No, we all get along really, really well, and we all respect each other. You know, there is, there is a bit of bickering. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's all good humoured fun. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we all yeah. we all give each other as much as we give. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we always got something to say about each other. But you <laughs> know, when it comes it. down to it, and the job needs to be done, we just crack on, and we all work we work really well as a team. Yeah. Well, that's that's important. Now, lastly, how long how long again have you been in the in the navy? I'm not going to do the math quickly oh, in my head. Oh, oh, oh about th- nearly 30 years. 27 years or something, isn't it? Or 30 years 20- in April. Oh, wow, 30 years in April. Actually 30 years. Wow, yeah. that's a long time. So in, over those 30 years, there's been a lot of international conflict that Australia yep. has been a support for. How many times have you been in war zones? None. Really? Yeah, none. None. No. In 30 years you've not oh, seen any combat. Oh, hang on, no, I'll rephrase it. No, that's not right. What I call a war zone is probably different to yeah. what you're thinking. To what um, I'm thinking. So I've, done, I've been on operations. So I've been operations twice, three times now. Mm. Four times? Four times I think I've been on operations, including my current one. So four times. So I've um, we've supported. Uh, so when we do uh, border operations up north, so uh, even the big ships support patrol boats up around northern Australia, the northern reaches, as also down the southern ocean as well. I mean, we've got a we've got a requirement to do border protection stuff down there. Uh, so to that's, stop people that's coming from Antarctica. In the, in the southern water, there's nothing in the southern so, waters. Antarctica. There's a lot of illegal fishermen down south. Oh. And there's also, uh, there's also uh, they, they try and be sneaky and bring their drugs in through the south sometimes as well. Oh. So, see, Jade thinks that there's nothing there and that's why people go there. But the, this is, well, yeah, exactly. But this is really? why we're talking, this is exactly why we're talking to Jason because I yeah. never think about that. You say no, the I southern waters and I'm like, yeah. hang on a minute, we've got Adelaide and then you've got Antarctica. I think of... Just us, but yeah. I suppose Australian waters go to well, halfway to New Zealand or something, don't they? Australian waters, it's uh, two hundred kilometres off the actual line. Yeah, okay. Is that is I think it's the general uh, economic exclusion zone? I think they call it. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's two hundred kilometres from our coastline, oh. but we also have territories overseas as well. So you know, you got Cocos Killing Islands right out there in the Indian Ocean, out west. Uh, You've got our Antarctic uh, region that's Australian managed. Um, you know, there's a lot of islands out there that we also is part of our territory, so we've got to check them as well. Yeah. Wow. Not that we do much in the Southern Ocean, but we do have a requirement to go there occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Been, I have yeah, been there, done that. So. Yeah. Been there, done I'm, that. Intercepted like a container full of illegal stuff coming into the country. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. That's cool. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? 
It was cold. It was, it was exciting. <laughs> Dad joke. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah, and it was I rough. Bet. Yeah, so I mean, there's so I've got so many questions. This could almost be a two-parter because my next question is: those big boats, like the destroyers, are enormous boats, right? How yep. on earth are they floating? Again, this is me overthinking, but I look at those things and like there is the mind boggles because I'm, I'm a creative. I'm not an engineer. I just look at that and go, that shouldn't float. How does it float? In one sentence, tell me how they float. It just does. <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> that's a great yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. And that's all I need to know. <laughs> It just does. Okay, great. So going back to how many times you have you ever been to a war zone? Okay, we know all the those other those other jobs. Yep. How many times have you been involved in combat? None. None. Okay. None. Right. Okay. But you've been on how many top secret missions? Can't tell you. Oh, <laughs> okay, fine. How many- That's secret. <laughs> Top fine. secret. But do do you are you well? Obviously, you're on a mission at the moment because you're not here. You're not in Sydney. That's right. Yeah. So I'm on ops in the mail operations at the moment. Doing what? Supporting our teams. Supporting our teams here in the Middle East region. Yeah. What are they doing? So, uh, what are they doing? They they. Raise, train, and sustain. So they're in Afghanistan uh, training the Afghan Defence Force um, to do their job better. Yeah, oh. So that's, that's one of the functions we've got going on over here at the moment. Um, we've also got teams here supporting, here on a shore base role, um, supporting the International Maritime. Can't think stands for now, but because uh, there, there's, there's a Navy presence here, an uh, international Navy presence here. We don't have a presence right at this moment with our ship, uh, but there's an international presence here, so we've got some uh, Navy Navy uh, guys here, a team here, um, doing their thing in that from a, a command control, I suppose, space. Uh, they're not here with me where I am, but uh, they're in another spot. And then you've... Uh, and you've got a whole bunch of got, got some teams in in Iraq doing uh, again uh, liaison and training uh, for the Iraqi uh, Defence Force. So we're doing a lot of that at the moment. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably the main parts we're here for. Mm-hmm. We're supporting all that. We're providing them logistics support, um, operational support. So, uh, so our commander here. The commander here is in charge of the whole, overseas, I should say, the whole Middle East region. Uh, we also provide support because we've got uh, teams with United Nations doing United Nations activities over here in, uh, in, uh, in where are they, some, some parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. So they're in Africa. Um, so we have... So we have control over them, but we provide them support because they're only small teams as part of a bigger United Nations team. Yeah. Uh, so we provide them uh, admin support. Uh, if they've got any concerns, uh, if, if they've got health issues, or uh, we, we might we provide them uh, with communications, 
communications, I guess. We provide them with that support. Um, so they've still got a link back to us, back mm. to the Australian Defence Force as well as the United Nations. Um, we've got a lot of action. We've got a lot of people actually in United Nations um, activities around the world. So, yeah, yeah we've got that as well. Mm. Yeah. The UN seem to be everywhere. Well, they are, yeah. Yeah, mm. That's... yeah they're, they're, a big part, they're a big part of Africa. Um, yeah. They're part of the Middle East as well in some areas. Mm. Um, uh, they're part of Beirut. Uh, they're the Lebanon, sorry, uh, they're part of Egypt. So the, the helicopter, that, I don't know if you've seen that the other way, it was a, a UN helicopter crashed over there mm. in Egypt, Sinai, in Sinai. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so that, that was a United Nations uh, activity. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. Let's get into Let's debunk some myths. Right? Yes. <laughs> if you've got any myths you want to know about now or silly questions, this is this is your opportunity. Okay. So, does the Australian Defence Force have any knowledge of UFOs? Oh, yeah, <gasps> can't take that. That's a yes. That's a yes. I'm going to take that as a yes. Tick. We're not debunking that. We're confirming that. B. <laughs> was the moon landing staged? No. I saw it, sort of. On the TV? Copy of it. No, I didn't on telly. <laughs> I'm a dad might have. <laughs> you saw a copy of it? In, yes, so in... that means it must be real. Yeah. And it was in black and white, so it's definitely real. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Um, how much communications does the, the Australian Defence Force and the US Defence Force have? Do they just think? I don't want to be. I don't want to be nasty, but to me, it feels like the US think they are the be all and end all of yeah. military on the planet. True or false? False. Oh, who does then? Who are the arrogant ones on the planet? Oh, don't know. Uh, go on. No, <sighs> not answering that one. I probably could too, but I won't to protect our trade interests. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <think> <laughs> Very good, Jane. Uh, Very good. Have you got any uh, any other myths that you want to debunk, Ethan? Um, no, I can't. Nothing specific. Here's another one. Is everything that we can't identify in the sky a weather balloon? Yes. <laughs> That's a good God. one. God, okay. Last one. <laughs> The men in black who come to ask questions, if you see a weather balloon, are they a real yeah. thing? Who would know? That's all right. You've got an answer for everything. But you should be in Don't they politics. flash their little things and you all forget? <laughs> I don't know. I was listening to a podcast the other day about a chick who was lived out in Western Australia. I can't remember where. somewhere up north near a big naval base. And she was talking about seeing something in the sky late at night. She'd been out to the base because there was a nightclub out there. She'd seen something in the sky. Two days later, two men in suits from America, it was an American naval base, sorry, um, came out to her workplace, picked her up, took her out to the base again and told her that it was a weather balloon. And she argued with them and things got interesting, let's put it that way. Does that happen? (laughs) When did you say she was? 
Western Australia. Maybe sounds like she might be a bit isolated. Mm. Too much time up the sleeves, maybe. I don't know. Mm, maybe. Sounds a bit far-fetched. Uh, Min Min Lights, do you know anything about them? Weather balloons. <laughs> I'm not going to get anywhere here, <laughs> am I? <laughs> you are very well trained. I've managed to debunk nothing, in fact, confirmed the existence of UFOs. Thanks very much, Jason. Ethan, what do you want to be when it's you grow right. up? Do you want to be in the Navy? Um, possibly. I'd think about it, yeah. Mm. Oh, you would think about it. You do change your mind often, don't you? You've already changed your mind from what I asked you this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, what's your what's your return date? My return date? I return on the 15th of January. And then I get to go into quarantine for two weeks. Oh. Can't wait. Fun. Excited about that. But aren't you already, like, quarantined there? Yeah, but we're still an international traveller. <laughs> so go into quarantine. So I'll go to a hotel for two weeks in Sydney. Well, at least you'll have your people looking after the whole security in that place. So that should be okay. That'd be fine. That's right. <laughs> you can leave, trust us. Yeah. I'll leave that well alone for now. We won't make it political. Yeah. Jason, thanks for your time today. Have you enjoyed? Have you? Do you feel more educated now, Ethan? Yeah, I definitely know a lot more because mm. what you see on like the ADF website is very broad mm. and you can't picture it. Mm. But, yeah, Jason's really helped put some things into perspective. Thanks, Jason. There you go. See? All right, I'll see you, I'll see you next year when you join up. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then, I, then, I, then, I, then I can yell at you and give you orders to, you know, march around the program and all that stuff. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, awesome. No, it's better. It's better than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of what we want to. That's kind of what we do. Just give people a broader idea of what actually life yeah. is like after yeah. people are pitching to you to become yeah. this and that. Yeah. yeah. So we appreciate your time. We know you're on night shift and want to go to bed. So we'll let you do that. Thank you, Jay. All Thanks. right. Awesome. We'll see you when you get back. Have a merry Christmas. All right, guys. See you, Jason. We'll, we'll talk, talk to you soon. before then. Bye. Bye. Bye, Rabma. If you need a lay down after that episode of The Veil, find a new couch, mattress or bed at Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone. You know where Santa shops, right? Do you know where he shops for kids like me? At Robin Vale Appliances and Furniture Zone. They've got loads and loads and loads of cool toys, like scooters and bikes for my little brother. He's got a place on Lady Cola's Nino. I've also got things for my big brother. Things for my big sister, like science experience, crafty things, and water toys. There's even presents for my dad. Really big TVs. And things for my mum. I'd know what they do. But that's what she tells dad she wants. You should shop where Santa shops. Because that's where the cool things are. At Romvale Appliances and Furniture Zone.